The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Among the last six picks taken, a uh, familiar name if you're a college football fan, Tom Brady, the quarterback who uh, all he did was lead this football team, put them in the right position more times than not. No time on the clock, and the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Unbelievable. Here on CBS Sports HQ, Tom Brady has tweeted out a goodbye to the New England Patriots, which means... What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is a slightly different show because, you know, Corona. Uh, sports nostalgia sweeping the country. People are like simming 2K games to try and gamble on stuff. To real degenerates are betting on marbles. Classic games are airing on CBS, TV marathons all over the place. Uh, and in the middle of all this, of course, Tom Brady bounced out of New England and headed down to Florida like any aging retiree would do after 20 years with the New England Patriots. We talked about it a lot, but uh, to try and sort of diversify our bonds, so to speak, we are bringing on two Boston guys to talk about Tom Brady's top five moments as a Patriot, Tyler Sullivan, Pete Blackburn. This is like people can't see this because it's an audio podcast. But Sully from Boston is wearing a Red Sox hat, and Pete is—I uh, don't—I don't know how Pete from Pete from Southie is uh, has a, uh, a Bruins hat behind him. So I feel I feel triggered as a Southerner. <laughs> it's a very Italian podcast already. It is, yeah. Um, how you guys doing? Holding up all right, Pete? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, this is like not very different from my normal life. I just don't leave my apartment. The only thing that's different about it is that I don't go to the gym. You and Sean Wagner like these. Like Sean's like, I'm really losing it without these dumbbells. Yeah. I'm like, just I, I built up like a six month head start on all you fools in the gym, so I should be all right if this thing ends pretty soon. I mean, we're I built for you. this, right? I mean, this is this is what we do. We we stay in our house and we blog all day. Like yeah. that. That's basically like if anybody was prepared for this, it was us, right? I I, I I've been telling people that a lot. Like I'm like, look, this is not this is not very different from my normal march. Like I'll sneak in some outdoors time. Yeah, I'm drinking a lot because, but I'm not watching any sports, but like I'm basically locked in my house podcasting. So it's really no different. I kind of enjoy it. Um, the Tom Brady thing does throw a wrench in things though. It feels like, uh, feels like things are, it's weird. Like how, 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 I mean, you guys write about sports and talk about sports for a living. So like there is some objectivity there, but you guys are Boston fans. So like how, like, I mean, how we talked about it when it happened, how, how is it sort of settled in the idea of Tom Brady, Tom Brady wearing pewter and gold? Is it, is it weird to you? Yeah, it's definitely weird because I would love them to go to the throwback uniforms. At least give me some some nice visuals if Tom Brady's going to leave. I mean, I don't need to see the digital clock. I know they're changing the uniforms, but even those Photoshop ones, I don't need to see the digital clock. Just Photoshop at least the old school cream uniform, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms. But, you know, it is what it is. It's one of those deals. I feel like you knew it was kind of coming. You know, all the signs were there, right? Like selling the house, you know, all, all of the things that we probably didn't want to notice were very real and very, you know, pointing to the direction that he was not going to stay with the New England Patriots. So you kind of expected it. Kind of, It's going to be weird whenever we get back on a football field and see it. But right now it's just kind of like, well, yeah, it's kind of what we thought was going to happen for a while. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. I mean, it's it's uh, I've sort of made peace with it for the moment. Um, but, I mean, it, once you see him on the field, wearing a, a Bucks uniform, it's going to be like the weirdest thing in the world. And I'm probably going to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, well, see, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like Boston fans by and large have said, okay, look, like we got 20 years out of Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. He won six Super Bowls for us. He changed the entire like, uh, you know, concept of the Patriots as a franchise from this team that just like, could, you know, like eh, middling or whatever to like the greatest dynasty in the history of sports. I also feel like there's a chance that all the stuff with the coronavirus and COVID-19 is sort of just creating this bizarre post-apocalyptic landscape <laughs> yeah. where, like, everything is so weird. 
that you're just you're like, ah, Brady is a Buccaneer. So it makes kind of makes sense. Like, can't leave our houses. Can't you can't with the six. Like, once we get back to some semblance of normalcy, if it happens in the fall, it's gonna be like, okay, all right, all right this is this is a shell shock. Yeah, I think there's also like a, a like a sense in my head where like, hey, sports may never happen again, so it doesn't sure. really matter that Tom Brady isn't on isn't on the Patriots. I, I have a lot of I well, I was have a lot of people who like I told um when the new once the once Tom Brady announced that he was not coming back to the Patriots and that's Sully you and I I think we talked about this in the podcast but like at some local books Brady to the Bucks was still eleven to one I have a bunch of people who like hammered that but the local books because they have they no action that they can't like they can't like they're not making any money right now because there's no sports on TV um but it says who will Tom Brady play for in week one. And so, like, all of this is going to be, like, pending until September 5th, 2019. If, like, they don't play week one, like, all of a sudden, you know, you know they're looking for some loophole. So, like, oh, it, yeah. it, is, it does feel like it's still pretty far away. And, well, this was also right in the cusp of, like, all, like, the medical stuff and, like, you know, because of corona, like, could he take a physical? Like, could things go wrong? I mean, there was, like, that, like, two-day window where I think a lot of Patriots fans were like, well, Josh McDaniels did come back. Like, could could we see something weird here? With with Tom Brady and the Bucks, could things fall apart? But but yeah, it's just it's it's just one of those things where it will be weird. But you know, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Right now, let's look back in time, and we're gonna take. Right, so these top five moments are uh, what Debo did was he took five moments from me, a uh, North Carolina resident and yeah, football writer who's covered like literally. I've, I've done ten Super Bowls for CBS, and I think Brady's been in six of them. So, like, I've seen a lot of Tom Brady at the, at the highest level. Uh, you guys have been lifelong Patriots fans. And, uh, and so what Debo did was the algorithm is like, it's like, uh, uh my variable times 0.1. So like 10% weighted for my picks. And then you guys are weighted for like, like times like, you know, point, 0.45 or something like that. Uh, it, I don't think it was really that complicated, but you get the point. We have five. Brady's top five moments as a Patriot. We didn't want to just do five Super Bowls. That's stupid. We're like five great playoff games. But uh, so we have those. We'll get to them in a second. Then we'll cover some honorable mentions at the end. Number five. Brady to the end zone. And Tompkins with a touchdown. Week six, 2013. Patriots beat the Saints 30 to 27. Brady hits Kimbrell Thompkins with 10 seconds remaining. Okay, so I gotta ask, like, as a non-Pats fan, this did, this was not on my radar when I was putting together my list. Sully, how did you, did you guys both have this on there? If I'm, yeah. yeah. How this did is, you, right, so this is a great, this is a great, this is one of the top, you know, this is a great moment for Brady. You know, we have, you know, a ton of, like you said, the Super Bowls, you can list all of these great playoff performances, but I do think it's important to grab like a regular season moment from Brady and bring it on here because this was quintessential Tom Brady. I mean, he threw an interception. The last pass uh, before the drive began was indeed an interception. And so you think that's game over, right? Like completely like that is 85% of the time you throw an interception with less than three minutes, two minutes, whatever it is, it's over. Patriots make a stop. They have no timeouts. And Tom Brady does Tom Brady things, marches down the field. I think it was like a minute and 15 left, whatever it was, and completely just nip the Saints defense apart and you got to remember too like Wes Welker's not there anymore Rob Gronkowski's injured like he has legitimately nobody I think Julian Edelman Danny Mandola were there but he's throwing to again Kembrell Tompkins of all people and goes down to the 20 yard line gotta have it can't get a field goal throws a money pass at the end I mean it was just it was just overall just quintessential Tom Brady to speak yeah and the thing about this uh that I remember most vividly is that uh it's paired with the David Ortiz Grand Slam in the ALCS against the against the Detroit Tigers, so the the Patriots and Brady won on the Tompkins uh, TD at the end of that game in the afternoon, and it led directly into that ALCS game where uh, Ortiz ties it with the Grand Slam against the Tigers, and it was just like one of the best sports days of my life, where it was just like back to back unbelievable legendary games so i mean that's what i i think most about it but i mean it was it like it had a special feeling just in the patriot sense too because there was a lot of uncertainty given the fact that that like the receiving core on that team with tompkins and you know dobson like it was like are, are, is he going to be able to make it work with these guys and that was like a really special moment in that season 
Uh, okay, that's that's a great point about the Ortiz thing because I was I went back and rewatched the the drive like again like it didn't immediately jog my memory but that's you know just that's just being a, a parent um the uh, or or you know other things anyway the um the Tom Brenneman is on the call and it's like I was like that's weird like why is this like, like I was trying to figure it out but that's it's because Joe Buck is on the call for the for the ALCS or the or the or the World Series or whatever it was. And that's that's what it is. So you had that coupled with that. And I, I worked down after watching it, uh qu- perfectly illustrates Brady's career. Like if you're gonna put it in a nutshell, the the receivers we're talking about, I mean Austin Colley, Aaron Dobson, Julian Edelman, and Kimball Thompkins were the guys who caught passes from him uh, on that on that drive. And it's like every when you think about even the reason why he left. Like yeah. like he like he went to yeah. Bill Belichick. I mean Presumably, based on what we know, like he went to Belichick, he's like, "Throw me a friggin' bone, dude!" Like I'm throwing to, to, to Jacoby Myers and who I love, but I mean, like it's like throw to nobody. And Belichick would just restart this cycle every like five years or so. And this 2013 season was indeed a, a, re- a reboot of the cycle. And not only that, I mean, if you really do remember going back, I mean, you do, you do have to kind of put yourself in the time stance with all this. I mean, his he's, he was like 36 years old. His completion percentage was declining. I think this season, again, it was probably predicated on the receivers that he had, but it was the third lowest of his career. This is the season right before Bill Belichick drafts Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, you started to kind of have those moments of like, okay, like, you know, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, you know, since the earlier portions of his career. What are we kind of looking at here with Tom Brady? And then all of a sudden he comes and has this, like, vintage moment. You're like, okay, you're starting to kind of get it back. I remember Zolak freaking out with the unicorns and the show ponies mm-hmm. and screaming Brady's back. Like, that was, was that the moment. Show, was that the unicorn this game? Yeah. This was the unicorn oh, game. Oh, man. Larry, hold on. Let's hear that. Brady's back. That's your quarterback. Hold off the building. Unicorns. Show ponies. Where's the beef? I lo- Zolak is, I don't, I assume like Boston fans love Zolak. Yeah, he's great. Okay. Like I love Zolak personally, but like I could see how non-Boston fans don't oh, he's a madman. Like he's 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 a cartoon character, but like he's a cartoon character that has made himself endearing and beloved in this region for the most part. Okay, now see, this is like, man, this is just how this is what being old is going to happen. Like when you and like old married with kids, like like my memory is now starting to like declog, where I'm like remembering everything about this. And you're right, like Tom Brady. So to just to take it one step back before we move on to the next one too, that Wes Welker thing I think is important because I um I like I have a like a third party connection to like, I mean like Wes and Tom Brady were best friends before Julian Edelman came along. It was many Tom Brady, like Wes Welker and Tom Brady were BFFs and hung out all the time. And Belichick pulled a full blown F you to Wes Welker, even though Wes Welker had produced, had like probably like suffered like 42 concussions, like running across the middle, getting drilled in the, in the, you know, the, the late two thousands and in the early 2010s. Um, and he just wanted to get paid by new England. And I don't think people fully know this, but like he had, was just about to get married to, to his, um, supermodel wife or whatever. So like he was looking to get paid. Like when you're getting married and you're a famous athlete, you know what your wife's not doing? Skimping on the budget for your for your wedding, and so like I think Welker was like like so like he was he he wanted one more payday from the Patriots. Belichick was not giving it to him. He found his replacement in Julian Edelman. And you're right, maybe Sully, maybe he was even unbeknownst to us rebooting the entire Patriots organization, and somehow Brady flipped it on his head. So uh, you're right, this is a great moment, great great job by you guys. Uh, another Tom Brady moment on the list. That's not exactly a Super Bowl number four. Play action fake. Stands in the pocket, has time, now starts to run left, gets rid of the football, downfield in the end zone, caught, Randy Moss, touchdown! Stands in the pocket, flares it right, complete the fall on a screen, at the 30, 35, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kevin Falk! Back to throw, fires it down the right side, wide open, Wes Welker is going to walk into the end zone, touchdown! Snap, looks, rifles it right, Welker, touchdown! She fires left, touchdown! Touchdown to Randy Moss. Six touchdown passes in the game for Brady. Three touchdowns. Week six, 2009, October 18th. The Patriots beat, it was Jeff Fisher, I believe. Jeff Fisher's Titans, 59 to nothing. Brady threw for six TDs. Uh, what, what stood out to you guys about this? Pete, you can go first. I mean, there are just a handful, uh, probably more than a handful of moments that like, w- 
as a Patriots fan, I've I've appreciated Tom Brady the whole way, but you you sort of kind of get jaded where you're like, all right, this is our quarterback, this is what we're used to, and then there are those moments where it's just like laughable that he like he reminds you how laughably good he is and how laughably good the Patriots are, and this was just like an absolute ass kicking that was of the highest degree. And that, and by the way, horrific snow weather. Right. Like, I think yeah. the over-under, I remember that distinctly, the over-under, like, people were like, like, the over-under started dropping as the snow was coming down, and people were, like, hammering the under, because it's like, there's no way these teams are going to score a ton of points, and Brady got there by himself. Right, this wasn't a light snowing, it was it was like a downpour of snow. I think they were wearing the the throwback uniforms. Yep, like correct. it was a beautiful game, and they just absolutely pummeled them straight out of the gate. It was a laugher the entire way, and it's just like it was just the like the most brutal beating I think maybe of the Patriots dynasty. And so like it sticks out in my mind just based off of how funny it was. Well, it was just like beautiful because you know you get the snow, you get the old school red unis that are contrasting. It, they're just popping on the screen and I believe this was like either peak Tom Brady long hair coming out of the helmet or like just starting to get that phase so you just got like perfectly looked at Tom Brady throwing touchdowns all over the field to me that was just it was just insane to just look at aesthetically but also this is you know you gotta remember too he's coming off the ACL like this is his kind of really like coming out party and the other thing too is that this 2009 like stretch for the Patriots was a really weird year for the Patriots. Like Tom Brady's probably at the height of his powers, probably, you know, just peak performance. But this is a you know not a good football team that they're playing on. This is I think they lost like McDaniel's, the OC, Pioli, oh, Bruce. In fact, the game before this, and again I had forgotten this. I just got to jog my memory more often that they had gone to Denver. And lost to Josh McDaniels, and there was that like heated handshake thing at the middle where McDaniels is like fist pumping on his way in. And Belichick's like, "Are you freaking kidding me, bro? Like I I got you this job, and you're gonna like beat me and then like celebrate on the way to midfield? Like have you have you no respect, young man? And you almost felt like Belichick and McDaniels would never work again together. And the Patriots are actually nine point favorites in this game, uh, the the Titans game. But looking at it, thirty nine degree weather, thirteen mile per hour wind. Do you know what the over-under closed at? What was it? 23 like, and a half? Yeah. <laughs> it's 37 and a half. But, I mean, still, like, insanely low. Yeah. Uh, looking at the stats, too, I mean, Brady completed more passes than uh, more passes than even double the, the Titans even attempted. I think it was what? Uh, Gary Collins and attempted 14 total passes. <laughs> yeah, and Brady completed 29. So, I mean, like, they didn't even have the ball in this game. It's insane. Yeah. And the other thing, just what I was saying, too, was that this was kind of like the missed opportunity Patriots. Because if you remember, like, later on in the year, at some point in the year, it was in the Bill Belichick football life, he's sitting with Tom Brady on the sidelines saying, I just can't get this team to win. So Tom Brady putting up, like, all these numbers and having ridiculous six-touchdown games with a roster that, like, even Bill Belichick is saying that he can't win with, I think, you know, heightens it a little bit more. Yeah, and this is the team, too, where uh, another Wes Welker thing uh, this is actually the moment, this is the year, the moment when Belichick stopped playing guys in meaningless week 17 games or like playing for the, for the full season. Cause Welker tore his ACL into, in the, in week 17 against the Texans in a game that didn't matter at all. And then the, the next week in that wild card game against Baltimore, Ray Rice in the first play from scrimmage, yeah. it was like 83 yards or 80 yards or 75 yards or whatever it was for a touchdown. And they just got bludgeoned by the, by the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was Flacco's rookie season and he threw, he attempted 10 passes, four for 10, and they won 33 to 14 in that wild card game. So yeah, I mean, it is, it was like a, I don't know, it was like this weird, you know, they, they had lost to the Jets with Rex Ryan. And so you felt like the AFC East was like maybe in a little bit of peril or like Rex is this new guy in town. And, you know, they, they went to the AFC championship game that year. So yeah, I, I, I think that this stands out as a, a nice little moment. I mean, it was a, I, I remember I remember watching that. I was living in Greensboro on Westminster Drive, and I just remember sitting in our living room, and you're seeing the snow, and you're like, this is just going to be a low-scoring game, and it was just not. I mean, it was a slaughter fest by Tom Brady. Uh, Welker, 10 catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Randy Moss, 8 catches, 129 yards, three touchdowns. Brian Hoyer threw 11 passes. Um, Brady had 380 passing yards. Chris Johnson somehow had 128 rushing yards. And... Um, that was Randy Moss's last year in uh, in New England. All right, let's get to the 
Big stuff. Number three. Brady dances, throws, and it will be caught. Amendola for the touchdown. Brady. Caught. Touchdown. Julian Edelman. And after the wackiest lead-up to a Super Bowl ever, the New England Patriots are the NFL champions. The greatest game, greatest football game I have ever seen in person. Super Bowl 49. The Patriots beat the Seahawks. I rewatched uh, the la- the fourth quarter of it um, on uh, this morning. Or, so we were recording this on Tuesday for Wednesday show. I watched it on Tuesday morning. I mean, just an unbelievable game. Yeah, I mean, I had this one as my top, my top, I had this one as my top Super Bowl. You know, I thought this was the number one moment for Tom Brady because you gotta again. You, top what, Super Bowl, you don't mean top Brady Super Bowl? Or do you mean, I had this, this, I do, the, I have to do the list of top whatever Super Bowls and this is number one every year. Like this is the best Super Bowl of all time. And I think it's the top one for Tom Brady too. I know there's other ones that we'll be talking about in a, in a few minutes, but like this one, was the first one in like 10 years for them. He's on the doorstep. Again, narratives would be changing here if he had lost this Super Bowl because it'd be 500 in the Super Bowl instead of four and two. You know, you really have to look at it from a legacy standpoint. Now he's tied with Joe Montana and he was just absolutely insane in that fourth quarter, particularly that last drive. I know everybody just knows this as like the Malcolm Butler game, but on that final touchdown drive to put them up so it could set up a, you know, perfect moment for Malcolm Butler, he completed like every single, he did complete every single one of his throws, eight for eight for 66 yards in that touchdown. I mean, it was just surgical by Tom Brady to put them ahead in that. Yeah. And I mean, it was it, like, Tyler mentioned the, the narrative aspect of it was so big where it was like, there's so much on the line for Tom Brady in this game based off the way that his, his entire career can be looked at. Because at that point, like the debate versus uh, Brady versus Manning versus uh, Montana was still very much alive and still very much uh, equal spread. So there was so much going into it. And like, I just remember the, the perfect drive and then, like still being stuck with the thought that the Patriots were going to get screwed because there was the curse catch uh after that before even Butler even intercepted. And I was like, okay, he just put this perfect drive down and the Patriots are still going to lose this Super Bowl. They're third in a row and it's not going to be his fault and he's going to catch the blame. And then like that, the Butler interception was like, oh my God, he just saved Brady's legacy. And so like that was such an important game for Brady, both like on the, in the stat sheet, but also in the narrative department. Well, yeah. I mean, look, like here is the, the, the reality of the situation is that the Patriots had not won a Super Bowl since Spygate. At right. this point in time, this, like you said, Pete, this would have been their third loss in a row. Deflate gate had just happened and was still ongoing. In fact, I remember we did a, uh, I don't even know if it was pick six or it was HQ or whatever it was. We did a podcast. Me and Ryan Wilson did our video setup. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald set us up a radio row in Arizona or in Glendale. Um, and I remember hanging out. We were near the 98.5 sports hub, uh, uh, setup or whatever. Like, and, um, at some point, I don't forget this in my life. Um, I mean, I probably should be talking. What I don't care. Uh, at some point, Portnoy, Dave Portnoy walks over and, and Barstool is not huge. I mean, it's big. It's really big, but it's not like they, it's not like they would be now. Um, and he walks over and I hear him talking to the 985 sports guys. I just, I remember hearing him saying, I'm going to find that Kravitz guy and we are going to like, we're going to get like Bob Kravitz who had blown it open for the Indy star. I just remember like you could, there was this like simmering for the first time in, in, in forever, Patriots fans. We're legitimately behind the us against the world idea. And like, like they were back in the corner and they'd been backed, they'd been backed into the corner and they were back in that corner. They'd been back into it. And it was like, they hated everybody. They hated the Colts. They hated the NFL. They hated, I mean, everyone. And they were out for blood. And if, if the, if the Pats had lost that, people would have said, people were writing articles questioning whether or not Brady and Belichick, uh, could win without the Spygate factor. And this is just like a bigger topic too, but like kind of going off to Flategate, it definitely like galvanized the region too to be like, no, 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 this, like firmly putting both feet in the ground. Like this is our guy. We love him. He, you know, not only did he win Super Bowls for us, but we're going to like go to war with him and all that stuff. So, you know, after all that Super Bowl stuff, it, it's certainly, you know, a huge storyline beyond football, you know, outside the field with Deflategate. And yeah, not to mention, not good. to mention the fact that it basically kicked off like a second Patriots exactly. dynasty yep. yes. where like, you know, if that, if that game doesn't happen and they don't win that game, does the rest of it happen? Like is, is everybody so fed up 
with three Super Bowl losses in a row? Uh, do, do people start questioning whether Brady can do it, even though he had that perfect drive? Like, do, do, are there questions thrown into the mix, especially with all the other noise? And the other thing is Garoppolo's on that roster, right? Uh, you know, isn't so? You know, you have that. Like, should you just usher in the new era and all that? And I think that if so, uh, Brady, thirteen of fifteen, one hundred twenty-four yards, two touchdowns, one hundred forty point seven passer rating in the fourth quarter. Um, they, I mean, they, they were down. 10 points with eight minutes to go. Like the game was over. And this I mean, is a like, great defense. Like it's the Legion of Boom. And that's the other thing too is like that if you're looking at the legacy factor, like the Seahawks were eight minutes away from launching their own dynasty. And the, the, like it is widely understood that the Malcolm Butler interception and not running Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Like helped to blow up and created this friction on the Seahawks and destroyed the Seahawks dynasty. So it's like this wild historical convergence. Like if this were, if this were not just like football and we were talking about like, like, like countries that like, you know, like, and like battling for power, this would be like a, a turning, it would like, you would get like a, like a, a hardcore history podcast on this instead of like a pick six podcast. You know what I mean? Like it, it changed, it changed everything. And I do think that if Brady doesn't win, this Super Bowl and doesn't kickstart. I think that at that point in time, Belichick could have gone to Kraft and said, Hey, it's time to go to Jimmy. And Brady and Kraft might have acquiesced because it's clear that he did it this time around. Finally, finally gave, gave it over and said, Look, I, all right, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll move forward with something else. I think that at that point in time, there's a decent chance that Belichick could have said, Look, Bob, if you want to, or, you know, Robert, if you want to win, Super Bowls, we have to change what we're doing. Tom is great, but I don't know how long he can do this. And maybe Tom Brady doesn't win another Super Bowl with the Patriots, and he ends up on, I don't know, the 49ers. I mean, who, who knows? Now I'm all jazzed up about this. God, that game was great. Right, we're, sitting, we're, sitting in the super, we're sitting in the press box. It was like me, Wilson, Lockenford, and Prisco. We're like, what are you doing throwing the ball? And then just it, it's just over. And the curse, that curse catch. I mean, they as soon as they as – because it was a, a NBC Super Bowl. As soon, within like five seconds after the catch happens, uh, Fred Goodelli and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth have the David Tyree helmet catch. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like that's a- that stuff was so fresh in my mind because there was, you know, obviously the, the Tyree and then the second Giant Super Bowl. Well, uh, and, the, and the Tyree catch, of course, was also in Arizona, so it was like House of Horrors for him. Right, and like it was, uh, it was just like I don't want to say like nothing had gone right for Patriots fans, but there were a couple of like really devastating moments and you're like oh my god it's happening again and it just felt like it was it was happening in slow motion and like head in my hands at the two yard line one yard line and then the butler interception was like the the most adulation that i've ever felt as a sports fan and like it's compacted into a singular moment it was just bigger than like the 04 socks or 07 socks. Yeah, because the 04 socks was like a, a, it was drawn out over a long period oh. of time, but like compacted into a single moment. You just want, you want a Super Bowl on a single play. Yeah. And like having thought that you were about to lose a Super Bowl and have like this entire basically Brady's era and legacy blown up in your face. And then all of a sudden it gets taken away. Like it was, it was just the most, I don't think that'll ever be recreated for me as a sports fan. The one other thing too, I'll say that like drastically altered in terms of historical perception. It's a classic when, you know, the winners get to write the history books or whatever, but like we kill Pete Carroll constantly and, and, uh, and Daryl Bevel for the, for, for throwing it on that play. If the Seahawks win that game, Be- Belichick does not get the looky Jedi mind trick Pete Carroll into doing something by not calling a timeout. He's getting murdered constantly for not calling that timeout. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, you know, looking at it too, it was the all time, like, react, you know, you're talking about it, Pete, like, you know, the moments, it's the all time reactionary moment because you have like Brady freaking out on the sidelines. You have that Sherman, you know, just look of pure defeat. And there is Brady. <laughs> as demonstrative as ever and Richard Sherman going, what? That was all over the internet for like years and it still is. Like, still, yeah. you had so many moments from that. Cause I mean, this is like, you know, this is huge. Like, you know, with the internet for Patriots fans too, like 2003, 2004, 2001, like we could actually just like go on social media and freak out about it and make fun of Richard Sherman and all that. Like it was great. 
That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about the, the internet, the internet aspect of that. That is interesting. Most of, yeah, most of you guys are confined to like Boston and now it's like you're seeping all through the entire, uh, the entire country. Yeah. The great, it was the greatest, it's the greatest football game I've ever been at. And, um, the, the other thing too, Diva is like, break, you freaking loser. Um, I would say that like this Super Bowl, this past Super Bowl where the Chiefs uh, beat the 49ers was really, it was disappointing in the sense that there wasn't this cascading, like explosion of storylines out of it. That Super Bowl, when the Pats beat the Seahawks, like the entire offseason was like, we basically got the training camp off of that Super Bowl with the various storylines. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look at Tom Brady's best two moments as a Patriot. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Number two. Blitz. Lost the football. It's on the ground. Covered by the Raiders. After reviewing the play, the quarterback's arm was going forward. It is an incomplete play. <laughs> Here's Brady again. Up the middle pop. And it's Troy Brown, and he gets out of bounds, and they might be in Vinatieri's reign. Tell you, Tom Brady is one of those guys who will headbutt you to get ready for a game, and he looks like he'll headbutt you to finish a game. Yeah, that's right. Number two, we go all the way back to. Uh, so, how old, Sully and Pete? How old are you guys? Twenty-six. Twenty-eight. Oh my God. So, how? Where? What were you guys doing when Tom Brady? This is, of course. The divisional round, January 2002, Patriots beat the Raiders in overtime with the tuck rule game. And then the first Super Bowl of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's great run, uh, Super Bowl XXVI. The Pats beat the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams 20 to 17. Where, where were you guys, Sully? Where were you, what were you doing for this first Super Bowl? How was well, so you? Been- well, I was in third grade. I was in third grade. I was, you know, obviously getting hammered. It was great. It was right, a good right, time with right. the buddies, you know, just really getting drunk off OJ. But no, I remember being home, you know, Watching it with the with the folks and all that, especially I I almost like don't remember the Tuck Roll game, but I do remember the Super sure. Bowl like very vividly. And so to me, it was just kind of like literally watching like a superhero. Like you know, I do remember just being like, "This is crazy," because we had never won anything before in my lifetime. And, and you know, so you're in, just like in Boston, like not exactly, just, exactly. So the Celtics had stuff, but I mean, like by and large, like. It was I know, this the is first, the first first championship. The Patriots like had lost in the Super Bowl once before, and but I think that was the only like championship appearance since like the '86 Celtics. Or the, yeah. or, right, or, it was the first or, championship since '86, yeah. and I believe it was the first uh, first Super Bowl appearance since like uh, Favre beat Blitz right. and whatever yeah, Super Bowl that was. And they got smoked in that Super Bowl, smoked. so you couldn't even have fun with it. So now you're like, okay. You have a that new was, quarterback and you got. That was 96, I think. Right, right. So, yeah. okay, it was three years old then. So it was, it was, you know, a really struggling time in my life, you know, going, it was, well, no, but long- look, you're like, you're, you're in third, I mean, like, you're, you live in Boston. It's not like you guys are like casual fans here. Like people are obsessive lunatics in terms of how they approach it. So as a young kid, you are big into those teams and to see somebody actually win one is a, a stutter, right? 
Yeah, it was crazy. You know, my mom like took me from school and we went to the parade. Like it was, it was wild. Like it was one of those moments where you had to do it. But like kind of looking at it now, obviously, like as you get older, you kind of realize it's like what it was. Like I, I really think of the, the tuck rule game as more of like the Venetary moment. Like if we're talking about like all time great Patriots moments and all that, I really think of, of Adam Vinatieri there. I know we obviously, you know, that's an infamous moment with Tom Brady, but like I think of him more of that final drive with like Madden on the call saying, you know, play for overtime and he just slings it down the field, sets up the game winner. I think he just completed like two passes. I would, you know, I don't I don't agree with what the Patriots are doing right here. I would I would I I would play for overtime. If I had good field position, I wouldn't. But in this field position, I would play for overtime. Now, Before he spiked it, like he was surgical, and that's when you started to look at it and go, okay, he's more than just like a good stopgap quarterback because Drew Bledsoe got hurt. There's like all-time potential here. Yeah, I think I I'm like partially the reason I would say that this the the tuck rule game is is in this list because uh, I I group the two together. I group the sure. tuck the tuck rule Fair. with the Super Bowl. And like for me, the tuck rule was the arrival of Tom Brady, like as a person in my life, because like I know that he had the good season and, and you know, he was great in, in filling in for for Bledsoe. But like once you win a playoff game and once you win a playoff game of that of that like stature and of that sort of like legendary status, then you are like forever going to be somebody in the Boston sports scene, no matter if Brady even stayed on as quarterback, he would have been a guy that I remember for the rest of my life. So, uh, like this was Tom Brady's arrival was the tuck rule game. And I remember exactly where I was. It's funny. Cause I remember exactly where I was with the tuck rule game and, and not so much where I was with the super bowl. Um, but obviously like the super bowl was the, was the bigger moment there. And that final drive was like, okay, Tom Brady is, is like a legend. <laughs> He's a legend already after one super bowl, that final drive gives me goose goosebumps even to this day, uh, especially being able to listen to it with like Madden and Summerall on the call. Like it was just a, a wild, wild drive. And like that entire game was very, very entertaining. Um, and so like that, that, those two moments for me was like the introduction of Tom Brady. We, um, so I was in college at the time. It was our, I think my junior year, probably right. Something, yeah, junior or sophomore year. We were living in this house, like four dudes and, uh, we watched it on, my buddy Jason Cherry, my old college roommate, um, had uh, had somehow tricked his – not tricked. He had convinced his dad uh, that we were all buying a TV together. His dad went to Best Buy and, like, put up the cash for it. And then, like, and then, like Cherry was, like, pocketing it. Or, I don't, anyway, we had this brand new, like – like I, I, no way it was 64. It might have been, like, 46-inch, like, massive-ass – box tv but it was like it was I and mean, it was awesome like it was a killer tv and so we were watching it in there and one of our roommates Wes copeland it was uh a big he's a big northeastern sports fan and nobody in raleigh you know and we were all rooting for the for the rams because tory holt was playing for the rams and you know had, you know rooting for the nc state guy and so we we're all convinced and i think it's crazy like the entire world was convinced that you couldn't slow down the greatest show on turf that they're going to come in and dominate and that you know the patriots were this yeah, kind of feel good story, but yeah, this, this little bit of luck with this backup kid named Tom Brady was about to run out and Kurt Warner, you know, I mean, reigning, you know, I mean, the, the Rams are going to steamroll him. And- Tom Brady injured his ankle against Pittsburgh. Drew Bledsoe came in and replaced him and they weren't sure who was going to start. And then we went to practice on Wednesday and, and, and Tom Brady looked okay. He's going to wear a brace on his left ankle. It's, a, it's one of those games where, it, and, and you know, in college, bet on the, I've definitely been on the Rams in the over, like a like the donkey that I am. Um, and you knew within uh, a quarter that neither one of those bets was hitting. Like it was painfully obvious that this game was going under and that the Patriots were going to cover. Now maybe the Rams would find a way to win. But, I mean, just it was so perfectly be- – like we talk about these moments that symbolize Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and it's like that is one of them. Like a grinder game with – you know, like fullbacks and cornerbacks as your top pass catchers and Brady, you know, doing clutch things, not even playing that particularly well, but just he's always risen up. Like he was a game manager his first few years, and but he has always risen up in the clutchest of moments. And that's like what will always define him to me is like you'd see that look in his eye and you knew he was going to make something happen. Yeah. And I mean, like it, 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 you mentioned, I mean, it like perfectly defines Belichick and Brady, like Belichick makes an absolutely ballsy call to go for on that final drive. I mean, Madden even says at the beginning of that drive, he's like, I think they got a, 
think they just got to play for overtime here. Don't turn the ball over. And like Brady doesn't make any, any real unbelievable throws on that drive, but it's like check downs. He makes the right play, makes the right throw, puts it where it needs to be and like keeps, keeps the game and keeps the team in check. And it, it was just like the perfect moment of what was to come for years between both of those guys. Yeah. And, and too, it's like you look at like, a, like Aaron Rodgers, that game against the Cowboys, right? Or the, even the Super Bowl where he whips that pass to Greg Jennings in the end zone. It's like all, all of his notable moments are these like, like holy bleep athletic achievements. Like Tom Brady is just surgical. And he always has been like that's oh even that game the Super Bowl forty nine the final drive he's not like bombing it down he just spots Gronk uh, in one on one man coverage where they line up Gronk on the outside and he's like well I'm you're dead like you, you're already dead before you know it and it's crazy because like this is what you probably you know for most folks should have recognized when he was getting drafted because he was doing all of this in Michigan I mean he was winning the Orange Bowl he was saving Drew Henson whenever like the the Wolverines would get down like he was able to come up with this stage because he was playing at the big house in front of like a hundred thousand people every weekend. So it was like, you, he was ready for it. And it was weird that like, we didn't recognize that he was ready for it, but you know, he just ended up coming up with it. And yeah, it's, if you ask it is, and like you go back to just to tie the, the, the last two together, but like, if you go back and there was this large moment where leading up to Super Bowl 49, where uh, like Marty Herney came out, former Eagles came out, um, you know, you had a bunch of, uh, Panthers players come out. I, Tori Holt has told me on the radio before they all came out. They're like, we feel like the Patriots haven't won a Super Bowl since that, since the Spygate. We feel like, cause that was the storyline. Like we feel like they cheated us. They shouldn't have any titles. They should, you know, they shouldn't have won that first one that we knew they knew our plays. They were calling out our plays. Um, and look, whether, whether or not Bill Belichick pushed the envelope, I mean, I would believe, I would believe, you know, Bill Belichick ain't afraid to push the envelope. And he wanted to win titles, and he's won a bunch of them. And I, I, I applaud him for it, even as much as it, you know these things and like what what the late the later fallout for these took the Patriots from like this you know like you know like up and comer you know like David Goliath type of story to the evil empire. Like it was all sort of building that narrative from from the outset. And going back to quickly, you know, just like the Tuck Rule game too, you do have to kind of think of it in Patriots history, like. It was the send-off of Foxborough Stadium, too. They were moving into Gillette Stadium that next season. So they, you know, opened it up with a banner and all that. But, like, they're sending it off with one, you know, by almost kicking off a new dynasty there. I mean, obviously, you had to win the Super Bowl and win the AFC Championship. Right. But you had this, like, all-time moment to cap off Foxborough Stadium, which is just wild. And, of course, we're totally ignoring the fact that Drew Bledsoe had to come in and save them in the AFC Championship game. But, I mean, well, well, yeah, yeah, potato. <laughs> anyway, uh, the number one moment in Tom Brady's history as a Patriots player. Here's Edelman broken up, and the pass is no sign yet. Edelman comes down with a football, and they're saying it's a catch. That was uh, everything we didn't want to do in the first half, and uh, it was better in the second half. So to get down 28-3, and, uh, you know, it was just a lot of mental toughness by our team, and, you know, we're all going to remember this for the rest of our life. Speaking of memes and modern Patriots victories, none is greater. I mean, certainly 28-3, to Super Bowl, uh, L.I., Pats beat the Falcons. I mean, <laughs> just... What can you like? Twenty eight three is more memeable than Richard Sherman's face, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, this one isn't my number one, just because, like, I mean, it's unbelievable and it's the you know the most unfathomable thing that's ever happened in the Patriots dynasty. But for me, it's the, the Ravens lost. I mean, the the Falcons lost this game just as much as the Patriots sure. won it. So like, it's hard for me to give all the credit to Tom Brady, even though he made the plays. I mean, the defense made plays here too. Um, so like. But I mean, it is by far maybe the most memorable of of any Tom Brady moment, just based off of like, there's no way that this is going to happen, right? I mean, in, like, in we, we, like Tom Brady had like, don't count on touchdown Tom as like his moniker going into this game. We knew never count out Tom. I think everybody counted counted out the Patriots like at, at halftime or whenever in the third quarter uh, during this game because there's just there was no way that like. Unless the Falcons pissed away this game, there's no way that the Patriots were going to win. And then they won. It, it was just unbelievable. Well, because it was that first edition of the Boston Globe that went out, and it was the Patriots losing. It was, you know, you know, just short or whatever whatever the title was. 
So, I mean, that went out to people. Like, people were writing stories that the Patriots were going to lose, and then all of a sudden they come out with it. And so, kind of going back to what I was, you know, my reasoning for Super Bowl, uh, what, what is it, 49, the reason why I think that one is number one, I give this one some credit, too, for the sense of, like, how much history this one made. Of course, comebacks and, and all that, like, that's insane. But Brady all of a sudden turns into, like, this legend. Like, it's a he, exclamation point, like, yes. He's the greatest of all time. Not only did he win five Super Bowls, now he's ahead of Joe Montana. He did it by creating just like the most momentous comeback in the history of the sport. I also think too that like, and this would be a third party perspective, but like you guys had two years before had won Super Bowl 49. And so it's like you'd already been served the mashed potatoes next to the steak. And then somebody rolls up, you know, like, all right, you know, I'll eat these mashed potatoes plain. And somebody rolls up and is like, just kidding. Here's, a ladle full of gravy and just like, you know, just dumps it all over the whole plate. It's like you get 28 to three where it, cause at 28 at the score of 28 to three, it's like, all right, you know, this just shouldn't happen. You're like, like I would assume Super Bowl parties are sort of like, you got like fringe people disbanding, like leaving the parties. Not, not that people are turning off the Super Bowl or Pats fans are giving up, but like no one was expecting a victory. Well, cause like, what is that? What is that? You're like 15, 16, 17 of Brady's career, whatever the case may be. After nearly two decades, like, what else do you have to prove? Like, you know, I think that's what a lot of us are looking at. Like, what else could Tom Brady do to heighten his status? Of course, win Super Bowls. But, like, other than just completely racking up titles, what are other ways that can separate yourself from being, you know, looked at as the GOAT, the greatest of all time? Doing a 28-3 to is huge. Everybody after 49 wrote the, now Brady is better than Montana. It's like, yeah, but you know, nobody, that's a very good argument, very compelling argument. Montana people can still come back and sort of, and, th- and then everybody rewrote it again two years later. It was like, well, yeah, you didn't need to write that. <laughs> like we got, we, we knew. And I think one of the things too about 40, about 51 more so than 49, 51, because it was the comeback, because it was the defense had been gashed by by the Falcons and that offense and because it was Brady breaking the record for passing yards. It was Brady leading the biggest comeback of all time. It, it separated or it gave, I think it, it, it took Brady and Belichick and pulled them apart and made Brady maybe more equal to Belichick. than I think a lot of people had wanted to give him credence for it in the past. And, it, and just in terms of like the championships, like this was, this is by far the most enjoyable rewatch but there was not a second of this game that I enjoyed in the moment. <laughs> That's right. Not they a second of it that I enjoyed in the second. moment. They didn't leave for one second, right? Right. Like, yeah. and, and even when they were making the comeback, I was like, they're, they're going to fall short. One mistake, they're going to fall short. And like, I'm getting my hopes up for nothing here because they need to have an absolutely perfect, uh, perfect second half or what, you know, whatever, three quarters or whatever. And they, it needs to be perfect and the Falcons need to make mistakes. And it's not going to happen. I'm not going to get my hopes up for it. And even when they did tie and they did, they did force overtime, I was like, this is going to be absolutely crushing if they lose in overtime. Uh, no, crushing. no, no. I was, I mean, I was at this game too, and it was like when they got, it was like I think when they cut it, when they got the ball in regulation, it's like this is over. You know, like, <laughs> like when they got the ball in overtime, it's like, you're like, it, like it is over, over. Right, but like even going into the coin toss in overtime where it's like if you, if you lose the coin toss and they get the ball first, it's like, oh yeah. my god, now I'm gonna have to, like, once the Patriots won the coin toss, I was like, okay, now maybe right. I can enjoy this a little bit. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! But, I mean, it was for like a game that was so unbelievable and that will like forever be in my head as a sports fan, I didn't enjoy a single second of it as, as it happened. I could, yeah, and, and, and I was blogging about it, you know, for a Patriot site, you know, when I was coming up and it was like, it was boring in the first half because you're just like, I only have to write like two things because it's like, you know, they're losing. It's terrible. And then all of a sudden it was just a blitzkrieg of all this Patriots related content. I mean, you were going from zero to 60 and literally, you know, it felt like two seconds, even though it was a whole second half of football, but in overtime, too. And that's the other thing, too. First overtime in, in Super Bowl history. Like, yeah. that's another piece to this whole thing. And like you were saying, Pete, like, it was so improbable, not only because, like, you had to score touchdowns, score field goals. You had to convert, like, what was it, two, three, two-point conversions? Like, you never do that. Right. Like, it was it was absolutely insane. And that one that I believe tied the game with Danny Mandola, it, like, didn't even look like he got in. Like, he just, just hit the goal line to score. So I, I, I thought it was over at that point. And then they said he was good because it was a penalty on the play, but it ended up being on the Falcons. 
I mean, uh, it is very funny to me that, like, of all the Patriots Super Bowls and how close literally all of them have been and how many of them have been dogfights, the one that went into overtime was the one where they were getting absolutely steamrolled in the first yeah, yeah. half. That's right. That's a good point. I mean, like, the only Pat Super Bowl that wasn't decided by one score is the, the Eagles Super Bowl in the third one, right? And that was, and even that one, like, you at least had the McNabb drama vomiting all over the place late in the game. I mean, yeah, the, the Patriots have, in this one too, like 49, this one was just a, an explosion of content for the next, like, three months. I mean, it, you know, it was just 28, three, like, you know, cause, like, the, the Patriots got, like, 28 diamonds or, like, 283 diamonds or whatever. Yeah. Just everybody trolling the Falcons nonstop and, and, like, Atlanta having nothing to, like, come back with other than, like, we were just Well, that was the saddest part about it is, like, you're, you're, like, beating up on, on, like, the small little school child yeah. who is like, I, I know, we suck. <laughs> it's just, it felt, like, really, <laughs> really mean. <laughs> Like, this isn't like the Yankees or, or anything where it's like they can come back with like, well, 27 rings. It was like this like sports city that was so happy to be there and was like, oh, we're, we're finally going to get one. We're finally going to get one. And it's like, nope. And then we're just going to beat it into your face for the rest of the summer. Yeah. And it was like, Not even that. It's still going. Like, people are still like, – it was what was it? March 28th the other day. It was like 28th to 3 day. And it's just the yearly reminder. It's like, oh, man, this one, this one's sticking. All right, uh, give me one moment, and I think this is interesting. Like, I, I would have, like, I don't think you guys would ever include this, but like, to me, the 2007 season is up there as a regular season achievement because they did it undefeated, and it was such this just like hammer drop. Like, oh my god, like they went from Belichick's Pats to Tom Brady's like uncorking this offense Pats with Moss and Welker, and then, but like, I, I would assume for Boston fans, it's like. You know, you have this, it's like, you, A, the Super Bowl is a dagger. And then B, like Brady tears his ACL right after that. So it almost feels like a bittersweet moment, even though it was like incredible to watch from, from afar. No, I mean, like that is like the single greatest sports season that I've been alive for. And, and, um, I mean, it went from Brady being a game manager to Brady just being like yeah. an absolute weapon. And, uh, like, like we talked about the, the, the Titans game about being like the single biggest ass kicking, but like that entire season was ass kicking beginning. I mean, it, it faded the spread, towards the, spread, the end. Like, the spreads were up to 20. They, they, they just kept running up to 20. Belichick just kept covering, like covering right. and covering. And this was like a big FU tour, too, because it was yeah. the Spygate and all that. And they're like, okay, here we go. We're going to get Randy Moss, and we're just going to run over you guys. So not only was it just like a display of like amazing offense from Tom Brady, but it was also like it felt like, you know, Brady and Belichick kind of coming together being like, all right, now you can't leave to, to do a Bronx Tale type of thing. They just closed the door, and we're like, all right, we're going to beat the beat the hell out of you. And we had yeah. never really seen Brady with like uh, with weapons of that caliber. Like he had won they, Super they, Bowls with terrible wide receivers. They lost to the Colts in the AFC Championship game the year before, and they should have lost to the the Chargers the round before. And his top receiver was Caldwell. Shake Caldwell. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, like he had he was had nobody, and, and then and then Belichick's like, okay, cool. Why don't we add some like. Uh, you know, let's add some bazookas to this tank, like on the outside. And, and it's, I mean, Welker and Moss and Dante Stallworth. Um, if you guys had to pick one, uh, one, one honorable mention, or if you got to, whatever. Uh, so, uh, Pete, go ahead. Uh, going off of what we just talked about, one that always stands out, like the single biggest play that stands out to me is Brady's connection to Moss over Revis in the end zone. Uh, like that catch was unbelievable. That throw is unbelievable. The fact that it came over Revis against the Jets, like they're probably their biggest rival at the time. And, you know, Revis obviously had the, had this entire like Revis Island brand. I think he got hurt on that play. It was just like he, he, old, had, he, he definitely he pretended he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that was like that was such a that was such an FU moment uh in in that season so uh that one is like the single biggest play that sticks out to me i wouldn't put it on the list of top five but i think it's worth mentioning well it's and i'm i just queued it up real quick but i mean it is a 55 yard air mail like it is and at like it's a brady's throwing a bomb and brady doesn't really we, you know, we talk about how he slices and dices teams left and right like he doesn't get the credit for being a deep ball thrower and he's always been a very good deep ball thrower at least in the secondary stages of his career it's just, you know, he's been a team player. That's why it's so fascinating to see him in Tampa Bay. Like, he's older, but he's going to get Bruce Arians, who's not going to be telling him to 
to, you know, he's not going to be trying to win like Belichick. He's going to be telling him, like, you know, screw it, dude, uncork it. Um, what about you, Sully? I got two. I'll mention one really quick. Just the Thanksgiving Day game 2010 against the Lions. It was uh, uh, Alfonso Smith who was, like, trash-talking Brady, and all of a sudden he uncorks for, like, three touchdowns against him. I think one of them was, like, a 79-yard touchdown to Dion Branch. They were in the old-school unis, Thanksgiving. Like, that was just – that was all time. But I'll go with a little bit more recent one, too. The AFC Championship game against the Jaguars, mostly just because going into that game, we didn't even know if Brady was going to play. Because if you remember, he, like, gashed his hand trying to hand the ball off to, like, Rex Burkhead, whoever it was. And his hand, like, clipped. He, like, he clipped his, like, shoulder pad or whatever it was. And we didn't even realize, like – how bad it was until later because Brady was like, I thought my season was over. And then he shows pictures of it and his hands like completely ripped open. But then you go to the game and he completes nearly 69% of his passes, 290 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. They were down 10 going into the fourth quarter, I believe, or at some point in the game. Then they had a 14-point fourth quarter and just completely had the Jaguars implode. So, I mean, that to me was just a crazy storyline going into the game, and then all of a sudden he, he shows out and ends up playing with that, like, patch thing on his hand. Incredible display of quarantine maturity by both myself and Pete, not to drop a nice there. <laughs> um, the, uh, and, and, like, you forget about it, too, but, like, after they beat the Jags, I mean, literally for two weeks, nothing but two weeks was, it was like Tom Brady's hand. Is he gonna, you know, is he gonna play? Is he gonna, and, and uh, it was a story. By the way, the, uh, the Thanksgiving game you mentioned, 21 to 27, 341 yards, four touchdowns, perfect passer rating, and, Perfect long hair. That was peak Brady That's long pe- hair. That is that is the moment right there. It's it's so weird to go back and look at like all his different hairstyles and like track them with his you know, various uh, uh, encounters with attractive uh, like you know like like when he like Giselle has had him doing I mean doing all kinds of stuff since since they really got together she took control of his brain and his hair and all that. But uh, I think he had to cut the hair once like people started using the the meme of him crying. Uh, like one, that was like the the big hair moment. I think once that became like the popular meme and with the hair, he he had to get rid of it and just it was go the back Brady, to his old self. Brady, he was doing the Brady Six documentary, right. the long yeah. hair. Yeah, you're right. Ah, good point. That's a good point. All right. Uh, anything else to add on this uh, delightful Tom Brady podcast? It ran longer than we thought, but that was just, this is good stuff. I got amped up about some of these Brady moments. You can't hate Tom Brady. Like, I, I, I'll never hate. I'll never hate Tom Brady, and, and like even the fact that he, he's gone now, I'm still gonna root for Tom Brady. I hope the Bucks do well. Uh, like even a few days after he signed with the Bucks, I went out and I bought one of those. Uh, I think like the breaking T-shirt with uh, his face on the old Bucko Bruce oh. logo. Like, like I, I'm with Tyler. I wish that they had gone to the cream school. I, I get a cream school Brady jersey. I don't care. Like, yeah. it's one of the best jerseys in sports. It's my favorite football player uh, that will ever live. So like. I, Brady will forever have a, a spot in my heart, no matter how uh, how it ended here. Like, I don't think we'll end up doing like a Ray Bork like you know championship parade or anything no. like that. But like, if he wins a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, I think you'll see like a lot of Patriots fans happy for him. Like, I don't think it will be like, I mean, unless he beats the Patriots in the Super Bowl, then I think there'd be a little myth. But like, would you, who would you you would root for the Patriots, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. But okay. you know, if if he if he beats the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I think that there's going to be a lot of anger, but it's not going to be directed at Brady. It's going to be directed at Belichick for not keeping him around. I mean, if you're Bill Belichick, you would rather not make the playoffs and lose the Super Bowl. Like, I think I, I think that Tampa Bay plays New England in the regular season next year in 2021. Yeah, I think they're scheduled to come to Foxborough. Like that'll be like a crazy game. I actually even think if the NFL is smart, like if we have training camp and joint practices. You should absolutely try to put, you know, at least have them play in the preseason or something like that. Like you would absolutely, you would have a sold out Gillette Stadium for the preseason. Like it would be pretty crazy. It is fast. Like Tom Brady to me, as somebody who's never been a, like I'm not a New England, like Mary, I hate the Yankees, like with the deepest burning fire of a thousand suns, but, um, Mariano Rivera. Like, have to respect him and have to, mm-hmm. you know, like, you have to like, like, even like, you know, like Boston Sports, you can't hate Mariano Rivera. I mean, he's just, he's like, not an A, he's not like some, like, you know, jabroni New York guy who, like, you know, Jason Giambi or something like that. Like, he's like, he's quiet, went about his business, he's the greatest of all time. Like, I, I don't know, I don't understand, like, I don't think anybody, I could understand not liking Brady because he gutted you as an opponent for your entire life, but like, you still have to respect the guy. Right. And, and there are things to make fun of about Brady. Like, sure. There are like a, a million things to make fun of about Brady, just in terms of like the way that he carries himself and the things that he does off the field and all yeah. that. But like, I think at the end of the day, you kind of, you have to respect Brady in the way that he approaches the game. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. And uh, this podcast is fantastic. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow uh, at Pete Blackburn at Tyler Sullivan on Twitter. Right, very easy. Tyler Sully. Tyler Sully. I always get that wrong. Sorry, Sully from Boston. Pete from South. Thanks, guys. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars Four is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.